I would say number one, I am so excited to start this new job because I love working with people and helping people heal their bodies. And number two, to everyone out there, remember that our bodies always heal. They do are the norm. Our bodies are working so hard for us. Even those of us who are sick, they're working so hard to get to a healthy level and that's homeostasis. And so when we treat it right and we give it everything that our body needs, all the love and good food and good everything, we'll heal. And so never to give up because we'll get there. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and today I get to welcome one of my dearest, smartest, most beautiful, amazing friends, Dr. Chris Miller. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Hi. (laughs) So everyone, I can't wait for you to hear Chris's story. So Chris was my very first interview on this podcast over three and a half years ago. We've, We've been buddies for a long time, probably what, eight or nine years now, and um, Chris is an incredible story. She's also a plant-based doctor. We have some really cool things to talk about, like our just now nationally launched plant-based, you know, literally telehealth. So you can find a plant-based doctor around the country, even internationally, if you want to talk to us about just a consult nutrition, literally by going to plantbasedtelehealth.com. And we're going to get to that briefly, but let's hear Chris's story because she's going to be definitely Definitely my partner in crime in helping people get well. <laughs> so Chris, can you tell us a little bit about your story? And let's talk about, you know, for those who don't know, lupus. Yeah. So thank you, Lori. Thank you for that very nice introduction. And it's such a, it's so fun always to get to be, to get to talk to you. Um, so my story started, I was an emergency physician, which I know right now emergency physicians are getting a lot of press for all of their amazing work. But I was working in the ER for 10 years in Colorado and I started to get joint pains. Um, it started with my fingers and I started getting pain with breathing and I started having aches, weird aches and pains in different muscles around my body. And I was diagnosed with lupus and it was shocking to me because I thought I was healthy. I was young. I was in my thirties. I just got married. I'd moved to Colorado. Like I was at the top of my game as a doctor. I like, I was invincible, like truly. And it really, it blindsided me and I was knocked down and I was really sick and I was put on Plaquenil and then high dose steroids and then methyltrexate, which is a type of, it's almost like a cancer drug. Um, and it's used for autoimmune diseases. And I had to, the pills didn't work. So I had to inject myself twice a week and, oh, it was brutal. And I started feeling these side effects and I blew up from the high dose steroids and I felt achy and I still hurt. And I kept seeing patients and I would ask my doctor, is it my lifestyle? Cause I work nights, I would work in the ER and they always said, no, no, it's not, you know, it just happens. We don't know why it just happens. So I, I kept working and um, I kept getting sicker and sicker. And I had to go on two other medications, Celsept, 
which is an anti-cancer drug. And it was to protect my kidneys, which were being affected badly. And I had to go on blood pressure medicine because my kidneys were affected. My blood pressure um, was affected. And then I had to go all those medications, especially the prednisone um, elevated my cholesterol. So I had to go on cholesterol medications. Then I couldn't sleep because I was on, oh, it was terrible. It was a nightmare. And I was crying every day. I was so depressed and I was so scared. And I know lupus is an autoimmune disease where um, you make antibodies to your blood vessels, to your joints, to your kidneys, to your lungs, to your heart, to your brain. It affects all of that. And I was feeling it. It was affecting me. And I'd seen young women die in the ER right in front of me. And I knew kind of what was happening. And I was really sick. And so my doctor said, well, we have some experimental drugs. We'll try them and see how you do. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm already to the stage of experimental drugs. Like, I'm in trouble. I'm going to die. And I was so anxious. So I started Googling, well, what can I do? Um, I didn't know that diet even played a role. I had no idea. I was eating the standard American diet. And I started Googling diet and lupus and lifestyle lupus. And I came up with, I started learning about plant-based diets. And so I flew out to a conference. It happened to be um, Dr. Furman. And um, I started to see some of the data. I started to learn, see the, the patients that he had helped and how going on a plant-based diet had helped them. And he was so convinced that this was the answer. So I became convinced that this was the answer. And I flew back and I started to read everything I could about plant-based diets. I read the China study in one night. I, I learned all about T. Colin Campbell um, and his work, which was amazing. I read, I got to know um, Dr. Esselstyn from books. I started reading stuff. I just started reading and reading and reading everything I could. And I overhauled my diet to a plant-based diet, which helped a little bit, um, I would say. So um, I started to feel better. I, I definitely liked eating this way because I lost a little bit of weight and I felt like I was on track, but I still hurt and I still ached. So... So where did your journey take you? So you switched over to the whole food plant-based diet and you were seeing some improvement, but not the dramatic improvement that, you know, we often hear about. So what happened next? Yeah, it was tricky for me because I am one of those people who get really excited easily and really go for things. And so I was really excited when I learned about this and I thought, this is it. This is my answer. I can't believe it. I'm going to save my life. Like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. And so I was following this plan and... It didn't. I still was hurting and my joints were hurting and it still hurt me to breathe. And I thought, well, when is this going to get better? So month after month after month, and it just wasn't getting better. And I started to feel kind of worse almost like I was better because I had lost about 15 pounds, which was awesome, but I was still hurting quite a bit. And so I started to realize that some of these foods were trigger foods for me that I had food sensitivities. And so, and I didn't even know that back then, but it just became that aware to me that my gut was a mess and that my immune, my immune system was so messed up that I couldn't even tolerate regular foods anymore. Like they didn't, they were so confused between food and foreign and they were attacking the foods and I was having inflammation. So um, I ended up having to cut out certain foods and I cut out more and I cut out more and I ended up just juicing. And when I did some green vegetable juice, all my pain and everything miserable for all these years had completely went away. So I began to realize the role that food really played. But then it would, as soon as I started eating foods again, they, the food sensitivities would come back. So I was really struggling with this and I stayed plant-based. And then I started to realize that it was more than just diet. I started to realize how stressed I was, how much I had invested in this and how worried I was about my health, how much I knew about lupus and the bad outcomes. And I was so worried about it all. And so 
I started to realize that whenever I went on vacation or when I was with my good friends, like you, for example, we would spend weekends together and we would laugh and I would feel good. And I was like, well, that's weird. Why did I feel so good that weekend? So I started to realize that it had a lot more to do with my mindset and what was going on in my head that was causing inflammation. And so it was much bigger than just my diet. Mm. So you had a lot of puzzle pieces to put together. So, okay, so you had the diet, the juicing helped. And then how did you decide, like, how did you eventually move to eating regular foods? Like, how long did this take? What was your steps? Because there are going to be a lot of people out here that are going to be in similar situations, right? So they're not going to be better with, you know, just switching to whole food plant-based diet, but they're going to have some tricky autoimmune issues. And that's so amazing that you're going to be able to see these patients. But go ahead and tell us. How did you figure this puzzle out? How did you become your own detective? Yeah, it was it was challenging because I would see these people, um, and you saw them too, and you and I talked about this type, these types of people that would change their diet to a plant-based diet and their autoimmune disease would go away. Mm-hmm. MS or lupus or rheumatoid arthritis. And we saw it. I saw it too in other people. And I thought, oh my God, why am I getting worse and worse? So I knew in my head and I know in my heart, and I tell all my patients now, our bodies want to heal. We'll heal. When we remove whatever's flaring our immune system and we give it the love it needs, whether that's food, whether that's emotion, whether that's sleep, movement, whatever it is that our bodies need to heal, when we do it right, our bodies will heal. So I knew that. I was convinced of that. So my job was to figure out what was flaring me. Why was I so inflamed? Why was What was my body angry about, right? Inflammation to me is like anger. Something in my body was not happy, was not working. So I knew food played a major role. And I love to eat. Even switching to plant-based, I still was overeating. And I just wasn't eating the right food. So I I moved it from juicing to what I call the anti-inflammatory healing um, autoimmune protocol. Mm -hmm. So when we do that, it's taking out a lot of these trigger foods. It's not just a plant-based diet. And so I started playing after my juices, I started eating certain picky foods and I kind of picked and chose and I would add them in. I'd feel good. And I'd add it in and I feel good. And so I kind of did this slowly add in and then I'd eat something and I'd feel joint pain. So I'd put that aside. So I kind of got a sense of it. Um, what was, which foods I tolerated and which ones I didn't. And I stuck with what I could eat. And then after a couple months, I would bring something in, bring it in, bring it in. It took me a couple of years, probably about three years to be able to finally get to eat certain foods again. Plant-based food, always plant-based, but, um, but at least I was moving in the right direction. Like at least I knew it was working, but, um, when I work with patients now, it, it can be a lot shorter because now I know trigger foods so I can see what people are eating and really fine tune it a lot faster with me. I had no idea. And I was like, why would an orange bother me? Why would some carrots bother me? That's weird. So I didn't really know at all, but now I do. Now I can see it and kind of get a sense. So when you mentioned this, um, you know, anti-inflammatory autoimmune protocol diet, is this something that you created, correct? Well, I did. I tweaked a lot of things that I had seen from other people that were healing. So I knew a whole food plant-based diet. That's no question. The data is so strong on it that there's no way I could do anything else. So I, I knew that. And then, but then people are like, you need to do all raw or you need to eat only brown rice and orange and, you know, these types of, and they said all these great protocols and they were getting true results. I mean, these are amazing doctors getting true results. I read probably 
five or six of them, and I worked with them, with all of them. They were all lovely, wonderful, amazing doctors, but none of it healed me. Mm-hmm. And I, some of them got me worse. And, and I know that their protocols were working for other people, but I was like, what, what am I doing? Am I, it's so I, my body was just so inflamed, I think. And it always starts in the gut, which I teach people. And so I had to heal my microbiome. I had to heal that gut lining. And so that these food sensitivities would go away. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with your mindset and your sleep and all of that helps to get your body in balance. And so I just started working. I, I stopped focusing so much on the food. Once I had kind of pared it down to some of the healing foods that I thought for me, then I started working on my mindset, my, my stress, my emotions, my worry about everything, my feelings that I should be better. Why aren't I better? And I started to work on all that. And that's when I think I started to notice some real bigger changes. Mm. And we often had conversations about you were always, you know, like, why is others getting better? I'm not. But remember what we always talked about, that there will be a a day that your journey is going to be the key to others' healings, right? So we talked about that at length. And I think, Chris, you're at that point. Right. Yeah. So you're, yeah. you're literally have gone through hell and back and you are changing. You are going to be able to touch so many lives right now. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I definitely connect with people who have autoimmune disease. Cause I get it. Like I had weird pains and aches and I cried a lot and it's a hard journey and it's not as easy as some people make it look so easy. And it is easy for some people. It is, but it isn't always it's, it takes tweaking and we're all individual, but for everyone listening to this, Lori Marvis, Dr. Lori Marvis really did say that to me several times. <laughs> oh, and really? I, Many, yeah. many times on over the years, <laughs> I was like, yeah. Chris, and I was really upset. I was so upset that I wasn't better. And I was really following the diet as these doctors told me, and I wasn't better. And it bothered me so, so much. And you always said, there'll be a day that you're going to learn, you're learning. This is, there's a reason you're learning from this. And I thought, I'm not learning anything. I'm just getting depressed. But I did learn because I kept tweaking and learning about different reasons for autoimmune. So, so you were right. I give you that. It was good. It helped me. Well, well, I was looking as an outsider watching your journey, right? So each new step that you did, you got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And so that was, for me, it was just like, wow, at the end of this journey, watching you transform mm-hmm. and grow and learn and heal and touching other lives as you go, I was like, wow, there's going to be a finish line here where Chris is going to be helping so many others because you are a special person because you have internal medicine training, ER training, you have integrative medicine training, you, and plus you're just extremely bright and inquisitive and, you know, curious and very eager, one, to heal yourself, but to also help others. And so that they're really unique and special combination that not everyone has, very few people have. And so that's the beauty of you and your story. And it's so fun to be, you know, sit here and get to watch you you know, have the opportunity to heal others. And so tell us now where you are with your lupus currently. And this last little tweaking of information that we had about you living in Aspen. Yeah. So I had lived in Aspen for 13 years and I loved it. I loved my house. I loved my neighbors. I loved my friends there. It was really, really good place to live. Super fun. But I never felt well, as I just explained. And again, when I went on those vacations to lower altitude, I would feel really good. And so, and everybody would say, oh, it's just because you don't have stress, which is true. I would spend time with you, Lori, or my friends, and we'd laugh a lot, and I wasn't stressed. So I thought, well, maybe it's stress. But 
sometimes I went to lower altitude and I was giving a talk or I was teaching a class and I actually had a lot of work and I woke up early and I stayed up late and I wasn't totally relaxed and I still never had symptoms. And so I started to think, huh, I wonder about this altitude. And you and I talked about it Mm -hmm. and we shared some articles to each other about altitude, about lupus and patients who live at different altitude and people who are at high altitude over 8,000 feet. Um, were found to have significant more organ damage and more anemia and more hypertension and something else, a couple different things. I think more of their elevated immune factors. And I had all those things going on and I thought, oh my God. And I lived at Aspen exactly 8,000 feet. So I'm right there at high altitude. And so I started to take more and more trips out of altitude and I always felt better. Like I had a baseline swelling, just being at home, even relaxed after a yoga class, which I loved my yoga class in Aspen, but I would still have the swelling in my fingers and it never went away. Even on my best day with juicing, with working on my mindset, everything. And as soon as I went to sea level, it was like gone. I was like a normal person and I couldn't believe it, how good I felt. So it was a hard decision, but we finally decided, all right, it's time to leave Aspen, which it's still heartbroken because it's still all brand new that now we're in New Hampshire, which is beautiful. Um, but I don't have all my friends and everything, but anyway, so I'm here and yeah, the baseline swelling completely went away, gone. Like the day I got here, it was, I was like, huh. So, and I feel great now. So I've been able to taper off. I don't need those. I'm not in any immunosuppressors, which I am so grateful for right now with the coronavirus Mm -hmm. that I'm not immunosuppressed because it's a very scary time for people on immunosuppressives, but I'm not in any of those. My blood pressure is almost normal now. It still has a twinge of my kidney involvement. So it's, it's coming down. It came down significantly when I moved out here and with, with each passing week, it's just trending downward. It's not quite where it needs to be. Um, So I take just a smidgen of, um, and, uh, blood pressure medicine that protects my kidneys, but I was on four of them and now I'm on just wow. one small dose. So, th- so that's making huge progress. And my cholesterol's come down tremendously, which it had always been high. I was told I had familial hypercholesterolemia when I was in my twenties because my whole family has it and it's coming down beautifully now. So I'm finally seeing the changes that I've been longing for, for so, so long. So this is really fascinating. So your cholesterol drop, do you think inflammation has something to do with the cholesterol levels? Yeah, I absolutely do. So I think of cholesterol now as um, it's a, a symptom of whatever's going on in your body. So like high, like thyroid can cause cholesterol. Stress causes cholesterol to go up. Um, people with gut issues, leaky gut causes cholesterol to go up. And so with me having chronic inflammation, as my inflammation comes down, everything's improving, including cholesterol. It may never get to 100% perfect because I do still have familial high cholesterol issues. My father's side, they have cholesterol over 400. Oh so my. we do have like significant one, one of my aunts has a cholesterol 700. So this is obviously more of a genetic thing, but mine, I always was told I had it too. Cause mine was like in the three hundreds in my twenties. And now oh, it's crazy. about normal. Like I wanted a little better though, because of lupus and cardiovascular risk factors. So I needed I just, I still needed a little better. I'm actually being really careful about that. But it is getting, it's amazing that it's going down the way it is. Like, 
It's crazy. And this is not because you change your diet, because I've seen you, you bring your food, she will freeze it and pack it. And for however long she's at, I mean, she's very, very particular about what goes into her body. So this is not changing diet. Like your diet was the same, right? And now you're just seeing it drop because you moved. I've tweaked it a little bit over the years. Like I definitely do more of the anti-inflammatory nutrients now, not just the ones that don't bother me, but also the ones that actually heal a little bit better. So I've tweaked it slightly over the years, but I also don't have the food sensitivities so I can tweak it more and include more of the healthier foods that I couldn't always eat so well before. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's been fun. It's fun. I love talking about food and diet. I love watching people get better or if they're not, then we tweak it and navigate that road. And so that's, that's been fun. So tell us what is in a daily eating plan for you now? Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to do a thing where I take pictures of my meal because several of my patients <laughs> ask me this, but, um, there's always raw juice, green juice, which is a vegetable juice or a green smoothie. Truthfully, I love the green juices better. I feel amazing when I drink a green juice, which is like a cruciferous vegetable like kale or collards or cabbage or broccoli. It's a little bit of something like carrot or some strawberries, something with that orange red color. Um, it's, It's a little bit of celery, cucumber, lemon, ginger, and turmeric. So a juice like that, I feel amazing when I have it. But it takes a long time to make and it's kind of a pain in the neck. So I can't, I just don't make it every day. So I'll make it for two days and I'll have it a couple days of the week. Um, so it'll be something like that or just a green smoothie, lots of greens and, and a little bit of fruit. So that'll be um, breakfast. If I'm really hungry, I'll also have some oatmeal with it, like steel cut oats and berries or something or some mornings and I'm just starving. So I'll have all of that for breakfast. Um, and then lunch will be usually a nice salad and um, some either some cooked soup or um, if I have leftovers from dinner the previous night, if we have a veggie burger, if I have some vegetable stir fry, whatever I have, depending on hung- how hungry I am, it'll be something like that. And then dinner will be more salad more. And usually we try to make something like a stir fry or steam some vegetables or some sweet potatoes or something like that. And a lot of, there's a lot of fruit and desserts, um, are usually fruit. And sometimes we'll make like oatmeal, banana cookies or something, mm-hmm. a little treat for ourselves. Lots of herbal teas, um, um, and a little bit of green tea now, which are not something I could do at the beginning. Those bothered me, but wow. Um, so do you drink hibiscus tea to help with your high blood pressure as well? You know, I, I should, but I don't. Hibiscus might bother me still, or it used to in Aspen. I haven't retried it since I moved out here. So actually now it might be good. So I'll have to retry cool. it. Yeah. Now you, you always had um, lupus antibodies that were positive. How has that trend gone? Have you so we have to recheck it. I'm due to check it in another month and a half. So hopefully okay. um, I can't wait to see them. But um, yeah, my lupus antibodies, my double-stranded DNA were always over 300. And that's as high as the that's, University of Colorado or <laughs> That's as high as it would go, over um, 300. So mine were just over 300. So I don't even know what level they were. So consistently with all my, when I was unhealthy and then with all my dietary changes, everything I was doing, it was always over 300. But the last one I got was 150. First time it had cut in half. It had never once in eight years, it had never once gone below 300. So, and I knew I was feeling better. Like I could tell I was feeling better. So as all my numbers are trending downwards. So now I'm excited to see what it'll be. Actually, yeah, my last one was 
150 and my um, my ANA was, I can't remember the number now, but it was so, it was significantly lower, like wow. almost not positive. So, so what is a normal level for ANA and then also for the double-stranded DNA for those who don't know? Um, it depends on the lab actually with ANA. So one of the things is some labs get really sensitive about it. And so everyone will have a positive one. And that's one of the reasons if people get it that's negative and then it's positive and then it's negative. It, a lot of that depends on the lab. So I can't really give a number for it. I look at what the lab gives as their number and how sensitive they are. Usually mm. you want it like under 50, under 30, some, depending on a lab, something like that, under 20. Most people may have a little bit of it, anti-nuclear antibody from cells that are damaged and break. Um, so it's the new nucleus and most people have a touch of it and which is not considered anything that's totally normal and they'll never go on to develop anything but when it gets to the higher levels um, some of it will pick it up sometimes it'll be picked up as positive and sometimes it won't um, and a double stranded DNA you really shouldn't have I don't I think it should be like less than 10 I'm not sure the exact number truthfully I have never been that low <laughs> but, like, I haven't worried about normal yet because I haven't seen anything close I feel to like it's less than 10 but I don't want to say that because that could be wrong so I'm not really sure with that but Definitely, I'll get back to you. Low, on a definitely low number. <laughs> and I think what happens is it's under a threshold and it's picked up as undetectable, and then they negative, something like that. Which I don't know if that's actually zero yeah. or if there's a few of them in there. I'm not sure. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. So, now tell us how would you approach? So, you have let's say you have a patient come and join our practice at plant-based telehealth and they want to see you because they have lupus or MS or thyroid disease or RA, how do you approach? So what would your approach with each patient be and, and how do you want to connect with patients? Yeah, I love um, I love my autoimmune patients because I definitely get them, and they're the e almost the easiest for me to work with, most fun for me. But um, so I often start by you know, hearing their story, kind of what they've been struggling with, what's going on in their life. And I'm looking for things like what they've been eating, how much stress, how busy they are, who's their social support, what's their living environment like, like, are they off to work every day, totally stressed out, this type A personality, or are they looking for a job and struggle, you know, like whatever's going on with them. So I look for all of those things. And then I always ask people what their goals are, because that's important. Um, I've worked with a lot of patients whose goals are not to reverse it. They just want to lose a little weight and feel a little better. So you know, we kind of listen to what people's goals are. And then if, but if their goal is to heal the autoimmune, really go for it, um, then we begin to build a plan for them. It always starts with diet changes. Um, and so that's a whole food plant-based diet, always number one, but I haven't, it's, it's a sort of an elimination diet to start with. So these foods, certain food triggers like gluten, gluten bothers all autoimmune people, it seems like, especially once the gut is leaky. Um, so we take gluten out right, right at the beginning. And I try to explain why what's happening with the gut connection so that people start to understand why we're choosing the certain foods we are. And we add in the nutrient rich, the healing, the anti-inflammatory, the ones that I think are less triggers. They were less triggers for me and for many of my patients that I work with, they tend to do well mm. with them. Um, and I have people keep a food symptom journal. So what they eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and we kind of look at it. So if they're not better in a certain amount of time, we can start tweaking it, say, okay, well, that one could be a trigger for some people. And I, I've seen enough people now that I start to know trends and can kind of start helping them tease that out. Um, so we'll talk about diet and we'll start them on sort of a basic plan with room to tweak. Um, because for so many people, that's enough. They're going to get better just with that alone. And, and then we'll... Mm continue. You always want a broad diet to feed your microbiome, a broad plant-based diet. Um, but 
autoimmune people can't start that way usually. So we'll start pretty narrow and then start adding in as they get better. But then we have to talk right away about stress. I do that on the first visit in mindset. And, and if they're really worried and stressed out and not taking time for themselves or to relax, like right now, the coronavirus, we're really stressed, we're isolated. That's going to slow down our healing and perhaps even not let the healing happen. So we have to start to come up with techniques. And I call these my, my Jedi mind tricks because I have so many different ideas. Some, you know, people are, so stressed out that we have to use coloring books because we can't even meditate. That's what happened to me. And that can help bring in focus and help get rid of some of these fears and anxieties that are just sitting there all the time. And some people it's prayer. Some people it's, um, it's an actual, um, the, what's it called? The, the health beat or heart, heart math, where, um, it actually gives them science so they can actually see what their heart rate is. And, you know, it's more structured for people who are more into that. Um, each person's different. So we come up with a plan for them to that they can work on every day to help rebuild their, um, neuro and their endocrine um, systems at the same time that we're working on the diet. And so we kind of start with that. And then after that, there's so much more that we'll go through such as their sleep and their exercise exercise movement. And, and there's a lot of science about both of those and autoimmune diseases. So we definitely get into that. Um, we talk about some supplements that we'll use to be extra anti-inflammatory. Um, but we, I start with those two things at the beginning. Um, cause that's a lot for people to start making those changes. Wow. And so when you describe, um, you try to include more anti-inflammatory foods, what would those foods be specifically? Um, the cruciferous vegetables for sure. So cabbage being a big one, broccoli and broccoli for lupus, especially because what broccoli does is it actually helps pull out bad estrogen. And a lot about lupus is it's an estrogen dominance type of disease. And so you want to get rid of the bad estrogen, which is estradiol. Estrogen is actually three different estrogens. So you're trying to get rid of the estradiol and broccoli is really, really good for that. So mm. Um, I, and at the beginning, I couldn't eat broccoli. It flared me. I could get joint pains when I ate it. And I knew how good broccoli was, and I couldn't even eat it. Again, there goes my anxiety, and I would go crazy, like, oh, my God, I can't even eat the healing foods that my body needs to heal this, so I'd worry about it. But I was finally able to, you know, by just doing more juicing and mind-body tricks and going to lower altitude, I finally was able to add the broccoli in. So I do a lot more um, things like that, um, the cruciferous vegetables, the broccoli. Um, I make sure to have raw with each meal. And the diet is predominantly raw uh, diet. And I know when I travel, if I'll eat oatmeal, if I'll eat a veggie burger somewhere, if I'll have um, a stir fry for dinner, but I didn't really eat raw all day. After about a, two days of that, I won't feel as well, for sure. So adding the green juices just floods me or a smoothie or the salad. So I often have a salad for breakfast or um, if I do a stir fry, there's going to be a salad with it or I'll put it on top of some veggies. So I'm always getting raw with each meal. And I really stepped it up that way instead of just like people told me before to do lots of brown rice and lots of sweet potatoes, which I did because I love both. But I don't think that's enough to heal me anymore. I needed the raw with those foods. So that's what I changed. So if someone, let's say they don't have a juicer, juicer or they don't necessarily can't afford all the vegetables and things that would require to make a juice, um, would buying those little bottle juices work? Um, I never did a lot of those, but the cold pressed ones supposedly last for like 24 hours. And mm. so if you can buy a cold pressed juice, that's 
Um, I think that's pretty good. If you do buy a juice, I recommend it really needs to be a, be a vegetable juice. And so many people, will, the first ingredient will be pineapple or apple. And that's going to be like a fruit juice, right? And so that's going to spike your blood sugar, spike your insulin. And insulin spikes are pro-inflammatory. And I know because I've done that many times. But so you really want to make sure it's a vegetable juice. So if it's three to one vegetable to fruit, that's a good proportion. So if you can find one that's three to one vegetable to fruit, then yeah, you, that should be okay. And I always tell my patients and I'll share with everyone, we just do the best we can. I'm not perfect. I haven't been. Um, and I, I often don't eat organic. I often don't have raw because I don't have it, but we just do the best we can. And then usually that is going to be good enough, you know, because if we don't get stressed about being perfect with our diet, which we never want to do that. Um, we just, and if the best you can means buying a vegetable juice, then that's what you do. So, mm. but they could also maybe get the same effects with smoothies. Would you say? Yeah, you can. So some people do really, really well with smoothies. Um, it's a lot of greens. You put it in your blender, and it's you know predominantly the greens, seventy-five to eighty percent of it. It really is the greens that you need, and just a little bit of fruit to make it taste good. Mm. Uh, maybe some nuts and seeds, something like that, if you want a little bit. Um, but you don't have to do that. And then basically water. So it's a really a green juice, and it is. It's a wonderful way to get greens in you. Um, and so I definitely do a lot of days of green smoothies and I have, I've done the days where I did, you know, green smoothies with breakfast and dinner and I did feel better. I just, I, I personally love those juices. It's just a pop of like anti-inflammatory really fast. It feels amazing Mm. to me, but many, many people do great with just the green smoothie and I do do them a lot. And so it's a wonderful tool. It's faster. It's easier. Um, it's a wonderful thing. So what do you think about um, certain spices or anti-inflammatory? What do you recommend or in, in that realm? Um, for that, that's where at the beginning, I don't really recommend a lot of spices because people have food sensitivities with when our immune systems are so messed up that we're attacking ourselves, we're often attacking the food. So at the beginning, it's kind of simple. We're learning to love our vegetables. We're learning to love simple foods, kind of plain on purpose. That's what I tell my patients. And then when we feel better, we start adding in. And I love those anti-inflammatory herbs. Ginger and turmeric are fabulous. I tried by the root, um, always better, but then also the spices are good too. Um, What else? Rosemary, cinnamon, um, all of the Italian stuff like basil and oregano and um, thyme, rosemary. Those are wonderful. All of those are wonderful. Um, I do a little Mm -hmm. saffron. We order it from a Persian restaurant because I'm Persian by heritage. So we eat a little bit of saffron sometimes. Um, So all of those wonderful. And uh, pepper, cayenne pepper. I know a lot of autoimmune people avoid nightshades. And I think the data is only about eight to 10% of people have sensitivities to nightshades and the nightshade vegetables, for those who don't know, are um, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, not black pepper, but like bell peppers and hot, hot peppers, um, white potatoes, goji berries. Those are the um, nightshades and about eight to 10% of people will get joint pains with it. And so a lot of people have heard, as did I, don't eat nightshades if you have joint pain. So I didn't eat any nightshades for three years, but I read the data about how good they are for our bodies. They're truly good foods. I mean, they have so many benefits. So I thought, well, I got to try it because what if I, it doesn't bother me and they don't bother me. I can eat all the nightshades. So even with all my food sensitivities, the nightshades were always fine for me. So again, we're individualized. So, but that's one reason I don't want people doing pepper at the beginning or some of these spices just in case, because if that's sabotaging their healing and we want them to heal, I think it's easier to take it out. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm so impressed with your ability to just take your time and be patient, even though you were 
I want to get better with each person. What, how do you, how do you help prepare someone's mindset that this may be a very long journey and not to give up? So like if you met you (laughs) as a patient, how do you encourage them and keep them on track and encouraged and motivated to continue down this sometimes very difficult, long, arduous journey to healing? Yeah. Well, first of all, it's not always this difficult. <laughs> um, so many people do heal faster than, than I did. But um, it's mostly I, I start by finding out their goals and their purpose and have them think about why it's important and try to teach them like why these autoimmune diseases happen in the first place. Hmm. I think when we start to understand the science of how our bodies went wrong, then we can start to see the science of how it can go right And it took a lifetime to develop these, you know, these usually develop in women. Mine was in my thirties. It used to be lupus would be later and a little bit later in life. And we're getting them younger and younger, it seems, and more frequently. And um, it's because a lot of it is our diet and lifestyle, right? They say the gene, the genetics loads the gun and your diet and lifestyle pull the trigger. And so knowing that it's been building for a long time, helps, I think, to understand that it can take a little bit of time to correct it. We got to correct the microbiome. We got to get the inflammation down. We got to figure out our food triggers. There's a lot to healing. And there are other things besides food, such as an infection or an exposure to an environmental thing or significant stress in your life. So, you know, a lot of it can get better just with the food alone, but it is a process of, you know, first we got to get the healing food in, we got to get the healing thoughts in, and then we got to find other possible trigger exposures in our lives. And that is a, uh, you know, a journey. So I tell people sort of right at the beginning, this is a journey and we're looking for progress, any little bits of progress. We celebrate victories. If, you know, every time we have a good day, we write that down, we celebrate what went right. And when we don't have a good day, we try to think of it as a learning experience. And, you know, if we accidentally, accidentally ate something we shouldn't have or had extra Mm -hmm. strength, we try to, you know, see how we can learn from it. And I usually meet with my autoimmune patients about once a month or once. And then after that, maybe once every other, every three months, kind of depending what they need. Some of them I meet with more frequently um, because, yeah, it helps to have support to know we're not in this alone. And the more we can build community, too, which I'm hoping we'll be able to do through this um, this new plant, plant-based telehealth and through the human health revolution. But if we can build more community so people realize that we're in this journey together, mm-hmm. uh, I think that'll really be helpful. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit, if you can, you were, you know, we talk a lot about the microbiome and I've, you know, interviewed others that also um, like Angie Stegi and some other things like that. But can you tell us a little bit, what is that gut microbiome connection to autoimmune disease? Yeah, um, I usually draw this for my patients, so I feel like I need a drawing board right now. But well, it's so important, actually. It's really everything. So what happens is because of um, a poor diet, so a diet that's not rich in fiber, that doesn't have, that has too much fat in it or processed foods, if we take antibiotics, if we're stressed, if we take ibuprofen, if we're um, not sleeping well, all of these things and so many other factors, whether we're breastfed as kids or as babies, so many other factors um, affects our microbiome. And once we have, when you have a diffuse, um, varied, huge microbiome, like all these different species, it protects us. It protects our immune system. It protects our the health of our body. And the microbiome lives in the large intestine, typically most of it, the majority of it. And underneath that is one cell layer thick of the endothelium of the colon. And then right underneath that is your immune system. 
And so only one cell layer separates the stool and our, our colon from um, our, our immune system and our body. And the, the microbiome is right there and there's a mu- mucus layer right there that the microbiome is helping to protect. And what happens is when this microbiome starts to break down because it's not fed the proper nutrients or it's damaged, it's no longer protecting the mucin layer. And sometimes if you're not eating any fiber or enough fiber, it starts to eat that mucin layer because it's polysaccharides that it needs. So the mucin layer breaks down. Now we no longer have this mucus layer to protect our cells. The cells start to get damaged because it's one cell layer thick. You're moving stool and passing food through the whole intestine. And so it gets damaged pretty easily actually. And the more frequently we eat, the more it gets damaged without giving it time to rest. And so now we have a damaged cell without the help protective microbiome and without that mucus layer. And so if you eat or some of these big um, protein molecules or um, some of the bacteria like the microbiome or any foreign anything in the in the gut that you ate that's now in the stool can actually move across. And so it moves across between these cells. This is called um, hyper um, hyperpermeability of the endothelium, which equals leaky gut. So the, the medical term is endothelial hyperpermeability, and we know it as leaky gut. So this leaky gut is because of this broken, now damaged endothelium and the, um, the, the microbiome, which before detoxified, it helped to break down nutrients, and it really protects those cells. And actually, if you, you it, makes a, it makes a byproduct called butyric acid or butyrate, and that actually protects those endothelial cells and helps them heal. And you get butyrate as a byproduct from your microbiome when you eat fiber-rich foods, prebiotic mm-hmm. foods, such as beans and green leafy vegetables. That helps you build butyrate. And I actually checked butyrate on myself, and it was low. They say autoimmune people tend to have low butyrate, and I had low butyrate. And I was like, oh, my God, look at that. Just what you'd expect in an autoimmune person. There I am. Huh. And so this is when I wasn't eating enough of these, you know, as I'm changing my diet and I'm watching my stu- waiting for this to happen. And as I got better, I started to see an increase in the proper breakdown of this microbiome of my microbiome. And I could see my microbiome and I see it in my patients when I check it. So I see a narrower microbiome We have a very narrow field. And so we don't have the protective layer like we should. And people who are healthy have this big protective broad type of um, bacteria. And so I can very specifically see people who are on a low carb diet or a keto diet or a paleo diet. They don't eat a lot of fiber in general, right? They're eating a lot of fat or, or animal protein. And so their microbiome tends to be very narrow. And I know that's dangerous in the long run for autoimmune diseases too. And so I can tell people who um, have eat a lot of fiber, a lot of beans, a lot of vegetables, they tend to have these nice broad microbiomes. So, so it does all that. So then what's happening is your immune cells are right underneath. We know them as Peyer's patches or um, they're known as gut associated lymphatic tissue, GALT, it's called in their medical terminology, but it's the immune cells. And 70% of your immune system is right underneath the intestines on purpose because that's one way we get so many foreign invaders into our body through our guts. So the immune system is right there on purpose to protect us of any, if you were to ingest a virus or a bacteria or anything, it's there, it's right there. So here we are with this leaky damaged gut now, foreign particles are moving through that are our microbiome 
is not there to protect and our galt, our immune cells don't recognize it. So they get hyper alerted. They think, oh my God, we're being invaded. We're getting invaded. And they start attacking it. And so now they're attacking. So now they start going crazy and they're going to go all through the body because we now have all these immune cells that are like, ah, we got to fight. We got to fight. We're going to fight. And you're building an army. They're recruiting more immune cells. And these immune cells now go off and they will go into our bodies and they'll do a couple things. One, they'll bind into different areas and just kind of clog it so they can clog your joints just because they form these big um, these big um, cell antigen type things where it's the antibody and the, and the antigen, they form these molecules and it clogs your joints. It can clog your kidneys. But the other thing they do is what's called molecular mimicry where they, they think like part of the tissue, part of the immune cells think that some of the... Um, the particles moving across, they resemble, say, your thyroid, and they may start attacking not only those particles, but because those your thyroid looks similar, it'll attack the thyroid, and hence someone will start to have hypothyroid, or it'll attack those particles, which kind of remind them of their joints, and now they'll have rheumatoid arthritis, or me, lupus, they're attacking my, I'm attacking my double-stranded DNA, my the, the inside of the nucleus of cells of different parts of my body. And that recognizes some of the particles. So this molecular mimicry, the other thing that happens is the immune system cells are so overworked. It's almost like a police officer that's working 24 hours a day, no breaks. What's going to happen. They're going to start to make mistakes. They're not resting. They don't have time to sleep. They don't have time to eat proper food and they get exhausted trying to protect, protect, and they're exhausted. And before they were sharpshooting just the right things. And now they're just so freaking tired and they're making mistakes. So our bodies are like that. So we want to heal our guts and heal that layer and heal that mucus layer and have our, the proper microbiome. That's one protecting and two producing the right, um, breakdown products. Um, so it's, that's the process that we're doing, but each person is different. And I tell everyone that all the time, there's not one way that I healed that the next we're, we are different and they, they happen for different reasons. We have different, a little bit different baseline microbiomes. We'll never get the exact same effect in every single person. And that's okay. Um, so we have to each do it kind of the same way, but kind of individualized for that person. So, but everybody goes whole food plant-based. It just may be particular foods that are better at that moment in time. Right. Right. Because there's a lot with meat and high fat foods. They do change your microbiome for sure and and damage it. In addition to um, producing the omega-6 fatty acids and the arachidonic acid being pro-inflammatory, but for several reasons, but I, again, I go back to that microbiome in the gut and people who eat animal products, it really does change the gut and the breakdown of those microbiomes. So some people you'll see, just removing dairy, let's say, or gluten, a few of the food triggers, but they still are eating meat and they get better. And you'll see that. You'll see that in people on these paleo protocols, they do get better. But if they're not eating the proper food for the long run, over time, they're going to start to get breakdown. So it's great if that works for them for the first six months, they took out whatever the trigger, maybe it's sugar and processed food, and they get better. That's great first step. I'm okay with that if people want to try that initially, but I'm not okay if they stay eating too high of those animal products because one, the data shows that it, it leads to increased all-cause mortality, and two, I worry about the microbiome and what's going to happen down the road. So mm. um, and I try to help tweak them to get them plant-based. And um, so, yeah, but everyone I think should be really on a whole food plant-based diet, but that can look a little bit different for each person. So then how long does it take for these, 
you know, so you're talking about, you know, the intracellular junctions in the, the cells in the gut breaking down. How long does it take for that to heal and then get back up to the mucus layer and, and, you know, where you don't have these patches anymore that are broken down? How long does that, would that normally or typically yeah. take, would you say? That's the thing with our bodies is that we're always regenerating new cells. We always are healing. So we truly are what we eat and what are, what we can absorb and what we can assimilate. So, um, for some people, when we get it right, when we remove all the, t- whatever's triggering them, um, whether that's a processed food or, or meat product or, or dairy or something, whenever, and, and they start flooding their body, with these wonderful healing nutrients, especially if they do a, an anti-inflammatory healing plan, which is just, you know, more high raw and things like that. When they do it right, it can be as soon as two or three months. We can mm. see pretty dramatic results where symptoms are just melting away pretty quickly. People start to feel better even in just a couple weeks sometimes. But if they're not feeling better in about two or three months, um, at least something, and sometimes it can be slow progress, but they're moving in the right direction, then we know we're on track. But if they're not really feeling anything yet, then we have to keep tweaking and we look at what else is going on. Um, and so then it could be another two or three months and we'll start to get some results. Usually within definitely within six months, people should feel better and be on track, I would say, Mm, or there's something triggering them. And there's more blood work we can do and a lot more tests to see if there's something triggering their immune system, like if they have heavy metal toxicity or if they have high mercury levels, or if they're breathing in too much smoke from say fireplaces or something, um, which out here in New England, people do a lot of that. Mm. So, but there can be other triggers. Um, Mm. So if people aren't getting better, we start to broaden our work up to looking at other things, um, Mm. trying to figure out what's going on. So you have a a pretty much a a, a step-by-step plan and the patient is it's modified to their history their different symptoms and what you're finding that was helpful for the majority of patients so when do you decide you're healed like what is that point like when what does should someone be hoping for praying for at that point to say you know what i'm fully healed what would that be Yeah. So one is how you feel. Um, I lived pretty much, people always say like, there's flares, but I pretty much lived with chronic pain every day. And so um, for for when I feel no pain, it's amazing. Like it's really amazing. So people, I would want them not to have daily pain um, for whatever their autoimmune was. Um, Think processes start to slow down and um, not worsen for one, and then start to actually turn around. So then when we start doing labs, antibodies can go down when we remove the trigger and we heal our guts and we heal our mindset, you know, our emotional state and everything, we, all of that starts to go down. So I would look to see antibodies going down. I would want to see symptoms improving. And the, the farther along someone is with an autoimmune, not necessarily everyone can get a hundred percent reversal, but everyone mm. can get better. I feel like we can mm. all heal. We can all reach a happier state. We can all find balance with love and life and joy and purpose again, and we can all get better. Um, and we just keep take just keep going for it to see you know how much people can actually fully heal. We, the goal though is always to be symptom free and to see our numbers improve. And some people fully reverse can fully mm. reverse. But I want to say that some people because I went in with the expectation that everyone fully reversed. And when I didn't, um, I still haven't 100% fully reversed, but I think I will be able to. But um, 
if you go with that expectation and that's the only thing that's considered successful, I feel like that leads to not realizing that we got our lives back. I mean, I completely got my life back and don't need all those scary um, immunosuppressive drugs. And I feel amazing now. And I ran a half marathon when I hadn't run in eight years because I didn't feel good. So um, to me, that's healing. But the goal is to totally reverse everything. Hmm. That I think that's very wise and, you know, gives people realistic expectations, but to understand that you will definitely have some improvement, but maybe it may not be a full, complete reversal, but at the same time, definitely improve. So like I have, as you know, Hashimoto's diagnosed at the, after the birth of my second kiddo, who's going to be 24 next month. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan was actually born um, with positive hypothyroidism. Um, So they do those metabolic panels when they're born and two weeks later. And he ended up developing really severe um, dyslexia. He's overcome it and gone on to college and he's graduated college and he's done fabulous. But um, I, you know, those antibodies that I had actually attacked him. And it's really interesting, but his second test was normal. So he doesn't have hypothyroidism, but I went on to be diagnosed and for 15 years continued escalating doses. Um, you know, never, I had fatigue symptoms, but as long as my numbers is like, as I got the right dose, I was fine. But what was interesting going on a whole food plant-based diet, 15 years later, this is just to kind of show the potential of improvement, but not complete reversal. Um, it was weird because I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't even looking at it. It wasn't on my radar. So what happened was I got so much better. My TSH, I was overdosed on thyroid medication unbeknownst to me. And I, my TSH went to zero, meaning I was highly overdosed. I developed adhesive capsulitis and hyperthyroidism or too high dose of thyroidism or high thyroid activity is one of the main symptoms in being over 40, which I was not in diabetes and I wasn't diabetic. Um, and that's, <laughs> so I literally had stiff shoulders. Like people couldn't, I don't know, I maybe even showed you, you literally could not move my shoulder, like my arm. People could try. It didn't hurt after a point. It hurt and then it stopped hurting and then it hurt again. But I literally couldn't, it was like frozen. And it moved to the other shoulder. And it, for two years I suffered because I didn't know this could happen. So that's the other thing. You have to be on the lookout for getting better and potential side effects of getting better and too much medication. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's so, typical that that happens and people won't even realize sometimes that they do have other organ involvement mm. so focused on one thing, one thing that's bothering them. And so that's a really good example. Yeah. Uh, and the thyroid is not always, once it's damaged, it's not always repairable, just like mm. sometimes joints, once they're damaged, if you get end organ didn't damage, it's not often repairable, but it improves like you did. Yeah. You don't know it. So we always yeah. see improvement and, and that's the cool part. So it's always, yeah. cool. so I still take time. So can't give up. Yeah. I mean, I still take a smaller dose of thyroid. So for those, if, if you know, I'm going to see Chris on our practice, so she'll be my doctor. Yeah. And you're um, going to be helping me too, <laughs> following all these numbers. As they get so I, I don't think I'll have much to offer in your, in your wealth of information. Um, your knowledge is, is broad and vast and deep. And um, so I, th- I think that's encouraging for people because, you know, many people read a book and they do it the best they can, but it really is helpful to have a knowledgeable physician helping you along the way. And that's the beauty of plant-based telehealth. And we're not going to be replacing your, 
your rheumatologist. We're not going to be replacing your primary care doctor, but we're a lifestyle medicine consultant. So we're going to come along and help you, you know, change the things that we need to, to get you to the best state possible. And that's really important for people to understand. And so, um, so can you're getting licensed in several states. You already have a few. And so that list will be growing. And mm-hmm. the joy of that is if you're, if you are in a state that Chris is not actually licensed in, um, if you see one of our other doctors, we can consult with Chris as well. So that's the beauty of having this network of amazing physicians. And we're bringing on more as, as, the, as the weeks come on. And hopefully all 50 states covered very quickly. Um, but Chris starts Monday, tomorrow, March 30th. <laughs> so check her out. I'm putting the link below um, to how you can make an appointment with Chris um, or be put on our waiting list for states that are coming. And then what else we're going to be doing is live webinars. So Chris and I will be doing that every Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, which would be 1 p.m. Pacific and you know, add an hour. So central will be 3 p.m. <laughs> so we have to, all the different uh, time zones. I don't know what that would be in Hawaii. That's too much for me. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, what we'll be doing is we'll be putting a link here also to actually invite you to, it's a free webinar. Chris and I are going to pick a topic. We're going to talk about it and we're opening it up for questions. So it, most likely it'll obviously be autoimmune diseases this next time, but there'll be other things, minds, you know, mindset, stress, sleep, all these things that um, incorporate a lifestyle um, in medicine. The other thing is we're going to be inviting Chris and I will be hosting other doctors as they come on board with us and other experts to help you. But we really want to share the value of a lifestyle medicine physician who is primarily, you know, focus on a, a whole food puppy side, but other stuff too. So what would you like to have people ask you or think about as they're thinking, oh, wow, next step, Sunday I get to speak to Chris and see these things. What type of questions or what kind of information would you like them to ask? Like, what do you think would be fruitful for someone who's just learning about all these lifestyle changes that can really have dramatic effect on their really severe autoimmune disease sometimes? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of nuances to using food as medicine, which is what I love doing. And you and I have talked about this a lot, all the interesting um, types of things we've seen with our body's healing. But just starting the whole food plant-based diet is amazing. That in itself, so, and for healthy people, that's usually enough. So, but I love talking about some of the nuances. So if, if our guts are out of balance, people are going to get really gassy and bloaty and have IBS. And that's going to limit their healing of an autoimmune disease. And actually even it can lead to an autoimmune disease. So we can talk about that. People who have gut issues and are fine, they can't tolerate some of these foods right now. Mm. Um, people have other illnesses. It's so interesting too. Again, and you do this all the time too. We've talked about this. It's using food as medicine. It's not the exact same plan depending on what their goals are. If they have cancer and they're trying to reverse cancer or prevent cancer or halt cancer, that's going to be a little bit different from an autoimmune protocol. And that's going to be a little bit different maybe from someone who's trying to halt and reverse cardiovascular disease. So Mm -hmm. the power of our bodies to heal and of using food as medicine is amazing. So um, I'm excited to be a plant-based doctor and to be at this to be on this, um, not only this webinar, but also in this new uh, platform, because we get the opportunity to work with people who are interested in this, to use this as medicine. And 
mm-hmm. working in the ER, working as internal medicine. I've never seen a more powerful medicine than food and lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. I've never seen people reverse. I've never seen people with these chronic issues get better until we started doing this. So wow. I hope people would want to ask some of the questions they have if they're going plant-based, whether it's new, whether they're struggling with something. Um, and it's, it's, it's always fun to hear like where they are in their journey right now, because there's no right answer. There's no right pathway. We're all unique and different. It's everyone's journey is so interesting to me. So to see where they are and what they're going, where they're, we're trying to get and how we can get there and what side steps and what other factors we need to move in. If they're not, if they're not exercising or moving their joints, of course, their joints are going to hurt. Or if they're not, you know, there's the other factors that play a role. And so it'll be fun to talk to people and to hear where they are and what, what their issues are, which absolutely direct it. Absolutely. And we're hoping that, um, get lots of people. So please share the video, share the link, you know, share the website so that we can try to help as many people as possible. Because honestly, for me, the joy of healing as a physician, I mean, I always enjoy taking care of patients, but there was always that roadblock, right? Because there was like, ah, the diabetes is slowing down, but it's never reversed. I mean, oh my goodness, to tell someone they no longer have type two diabetes is like amazing. Um, but our autoimmune disease, yeah, but it's amazing when antibodies go down and people are pain free after years of pain. So mm. if people are stuck with where they are in their autoimmune disease or their diet plan doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, yeah. I can help you. I can definitely help you. Or some people are like, I can't drink smoothies. I hate them. Or I can't eat salads. Well, that's okay. We'll find another, like, there's always a way if, if we want to do yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think seriously, Chris, you are one of the smartest autoimmune doctor I've ever met. Wow. And I've met a lot. And um, so guys, it's a real privilege to be able to speak to her. And so I really hope encourage you to do that. So um, any last bit of words of advice before we sign off and let people click on. The I would say number one, I am so excited to start this new job because I love working with people and helping people heal their bodies. And number two, to everyone out there, remember that our bodies always heal. They do are the norm. Our bodies are working so hard for us. Even those of us who are sick, they're working so hard to get to a healthy level and that's homeostasis. And so when we treat it right and we give it everything that our body needs, all the love and good food and good everything, we'll heal. And so never to give up because we'll get there. That's, it's a beautiful way to end it. And those are the thoughts we need to be thinking is that my body is not against me. I just need to give it the tools to heal. And now the healing may be looking different than what we think, <laughs> given the circumstances, but healing to the level that it can at the best level it can. So. And I would say one quick thing that we can talk about next week, Lori, is yeah. that with the COVID-19, this, you know, there's so much to how sick we get with infections. And I always think, think of it as three things. One is how much of an exposure of the, of the virus or bacteria that you get Two, how pathogenic. And this one's extremely pathogenic um, means it can cause a lot of damage damage. It's very contagious. And three is the state of, is the terrain is the state of our immune health. And so we have immune systems in our bodies that are there to protect us. They really are. And so now more than ever, we have to build our, our bodies. And I always say, it's not just the bug, it's the terrain. And so we have to do everything we can um, to take care of ourselves. And so I think when we talk about immune system stuff, maybe next week or whenever we do, we'll really talk about absolutely so much that we can do to give ourselves the best chance, both to heal autoimmune as well as to 
stay strong if there's other foreign invaders in this world, which right now there is some scary stuff. So we have to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're exactly right, right? So we can talk about social distancing. We can talk about washing our hands, not touching our face, all okay. of these activities. However, nobody's talking about well, what do we need to do, which is our, really our only defense system if we get exposed, is our immune system. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely should be the talk of what we're doing. The other thing, too, just to, to let everyone know, all of these epidemics, they start when people, you know, we've domesticated animals and they come from animals. So guess what? If we change the practice the way we eat, less people are, you know, <laughs> eating meat and less animals are domesticated and less confined spaces and all this stuff. Uh, we'll have less of these pandemics. The I common cold. More. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it's incredible. The common cold, measles, whooping cough, all of these things flew all came from animals and how we changed over the last, you know, what, 4,000 years or so, how we've domesticated animals. And it is, uh, incredible to think about that so really going plant-based is win-win-win for everybody the earth really the animals is. and us <laughs> yeah so prevent further pandemics in the future we yeah yep. we've got to make these changes absolutely and i i have so much we could talk about on that we're going to be busy next week talking <laughs> no, about it's gonna be good, though. we're going to really talk about getting ourselves healthy and healing our immune systems yeah that's so right absolutely we have to protect us let's use it Yes, exactly. That's a beautiful way to put it. Is think about yourself as all these cells, as your immune system, or your is your arm, your arsenal defense against all those invisible things that you not see. You have an army. Yep. We just need to actually give it from being in a fist fight to actually giving it tanked armor, yep. bulletproof <laughs> shields. Right. That's think of it that way. So all these foods, you're actually literally increasing the armor. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we can we'll go over all the tools next week and what's been proven, what we know science has proven us. We already know what it takes and most people aren't doing it. Hopefully the plant-based community is, or will help them make sure they know, but there's a lot that we can do to really boost it and give ourselves the best chance. So why don't we talk about that next week? Okay guys. So this is what we're talking about. Next week is going to be immune boosting and, you know, and we can ask, of course, you can ask other autoimmune disease issues, but given the cir- certain circumstances, let's, let's go out how we can really, you know, arm our immune system and improve our chances. And also at the same time we do that, we decrease our chronic disease burden because yeah. we start getting better, which yeah. makes us less of a risk as well. So <laughs> there's so many beautiful things <laughs> going on. Hopefully, This is like a no brainer guys. Yeah. Literally there's a bug keeping us isolated around the world, killing people. We have a chronic disease burden, all of which will improve when you switch to whole food plant-based diet and lifestyle changes. For sure. I agree 100% with all that. <laughs> and this is a message that I've been trying to share as well. And I would love to talk about this with you because I know you've been trying to share it too. So absolutely, uh, let's get it yeah. out next week. So we build up our immune system armies, as you say. I like that. Absolutely. All right. So that's it, guys. We have... We continue the conversation, which we always do. I know. And <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to talk about over the oh week. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we're going to have a blast. So, all right, guys, don't forget, click the link below, sign up for the webinar. Sunday, 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you live in other time zones, you can do the calculations. And 
you know, please join us and share the word. We really need you to help us spread and let us help this grow, you know, our plant-based telehealth because we really want to help as many people as possible. And the only way we're going to do that is with your help. So thank you, Dr. Chris Miller. You're an amazing human and I'm blessed to know you. Thank you so much. I feel the same way knowing you, Lori. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. All right, guys, don't forget, click below. Bye. Bye.